my son's at the age where he says a lot of really funny things right now. And you've probably been there. You've probably had your children say things that are uncomfortable and they're funny that way, or it's just the wrong time to say that and they said it and, and you're not real sure what to do, so you just laugh about it nervously. Uh, but our kids, they're funny things. And my kid, uh, he's been saying stuff like I picked him up from preschool, uh, the preschool room a couple weeks ago. I said, buddy, you ready to go home and have some fun? And without any provocation whatsoever, he goes, take over the world. <laughs> and I didn't teach him that. He's just ambitious, I promise you. We were, uh, you know, we were um, at home and he started saying this thing, like my, my wife, she's, she's pregnant, some of you heard, so she's really sick right now. Uh, but he notices this because she's at home with him all day. And so he started saying things like, I'm sick. I feel sick. And like he's two and a half. So when he says it, it's really cute. But he started saying it a lot. And we were worried at first. Like he must be really sick all the time because he's saying it. But then we started to notice when he was saying this. It was only before he had to pick up his toys or go to bed or like do something he didn't want to do. And it's all of a sudden, I feel sick. And so I was putting him to bed one night, and he started in, I feel sick. I said, well, we're going to get the bottom of this. Buddy, do you feel sick here? And I pointed to his tummy. He goes, yeah. I said, do you, do you feel sick here? And I pointed to his head. He goes, yeah. And I said, what about here? Do you feel sick here? He goes, yeah, I feel sick. I was pointing at his knee. I said, your knee feels sick? Yeah, knee's sick. I'm like, you're not sick. Go to bed, man. He just, he says funny things. It was a couple of weeks ago. I picked him up out of the bathtub because we were doing bath time and drying him off. When I picked him up, he goes, superhero. I go, superhero. He says, yeah, dad's a superhero. That got me. That got me. And so we went to his room, put his jammies on. We read a story, said his prayers, put him down. And then went out to the living room, sat in my chair, and he just kind of thought about my day. It's what I do. And I'll be honest with you guys, I didn't feel like a superhero that day. I thought about that day and I thought about all the times that I had to tell him no because I was busy or because other people needed my attention or there were things around the house that had to be done. I thought about the times where I got frustrated with him because I was tired or because he was kind of being a little rambunctious and I just, it was a lot. You know, Lindsay wasn't feeling good. Just me and him all day, and he's two and a half, and he is a lot sometimes. And I just, I thought about the times that I just got a little frustrated, and I'll be honest with you, I felt like a failure that day. I think you've probably been there before. You know, you, you just, you wish you could be so much more. You wish you could measure up. You wish you could be this superhero sometimes that, that your kids or that somebody else thinks you are. But that's how life goes sometimes. Sometimes we have those days where we feel like we failed. Sometimes we've got whole seasons of life, like we feel like we're failing. Sometimes life is just really overwhelming, and you just don't know if you've got the, the endurance to push through, or sometimes life hurts, and you don't know if you've got the strength to just continue on again and again. Sometimes we have seasons of life that are confusing, and we're just, we're not real sure what to do next, or where to turn, or what the answer is. If I could just put, put a word on all of this, there are seasons of life where we just feel weak. Weakness is something that sometimes plagues us. We started a series last week, it's called Made for More. And it's, all, it's built around this idea that, that a lot of times in life, we settle for less than what God is offering, what we're made for, and we, we let God do less than what he really wants to do in our lives. We, we settle when we were made for so much more. And today we're talking about weakness and, and this question, were we made 
for this kind of weakness? Were we made to, to feel this inadequacy or is this something we do to ourselves? And to help us explore and to make sense of that question, we're going to be looking at an event from the life of a man named Moses. And Moses' story is found in the book of Exodus in chapter 3. So if you've got your Bible app, you can open that up, Exodus chapter 3. If you've got the FCC Monmouth mobile app, you can click the Sunday button at the navigation bar on the bottom. It's got your sermon notes, your Bible, ways to connect with us after the sermon. It's got everything you need to get the most out of this morning. So Exodus chapter 3 is where we're going to be. And as we get into this conversation about weakness and what we're made for and these feelings that we sometimes wrestle with, there are two undeniable facts that we have to just acknowledge and come to terms with. The first one is about us. There are a lot of things that I can't do. There are a lot of things that just we, we as people, there are a lot of things that we can't do. And that may seem super obvious to some of us, but I also know that for some of us, that's really hard to admit that there are things I just can't do. For example, a few years ago, I went to my my 10-year high school reunion and a group of my friends, we got together the night before at a restaurant for some pizza and some laughs and we were having a good time. Uh, but then people started to clear out and we didn't want to be those guys that hung around and made everybody serving us angry. So we thought we should leave too. But in the bustling metropolis of Salem, Illinois, which is a little smaller than Monmouth, uh, there's really nothing to do after eight o'clock. And so one of my friends said, let's go to the skate park. In the middle of the city park, they, park, they built this skateboard park. And a lot of my friends in high school, they skateboarded and they were pretty good. You know, they could do the jumps and go off ramps and go down the rail things. And obviously I didn't skateboard, but you know, that they were good at it. And so we went there and man, it was the best time I'd had in years. I watched a group of 28 year old guys go down again and again and again. They used to be real good, but a lot of them hadn't touched a skateboard in 10 years. And at 28, you're not that old, but you still don't bounce quite the same way as you do when you're 18. And so they were slower and slower and slower getting up until finally one of them just threw up his hands and said, I can't do this anymore. It's a hard thing to admit that we have limitations, whether because of age or or health or ability or whatever, but we all have them. We have limitations and there are just a lot of things that we can't do. And Moses, he was a guy with limitations as well. And he expresses those on this day when God comes before him and says, Moses, I've got an assignment for you. And it was a doozy. It was one of those like life just got real serious callings. God said to Moses, I want you to go to Egypt. I want you to tell all of the Israelites. And then I want you to go to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And I want you to tell the most powerful, one of the most powerful men in the ancient world that his slave labor force is about to disappear. He's to let all of the Israelites go free. Now, for 400 years, Egypt had built its kingdom upon the backs of slaves, the Israelites being among them. So there's nothing that a power-hungry despot loves hearing more than the fact that his way of life and his slave labor force is about to completely disappear. And Moses is the guy who drew the, the lucky straw to go tell that message to the king of Pharaoh, to the king of Egypt. You can see why he might feel a little inadequate for that task. This is a big deal. And so he comes to God with, with all of these reasons why he shouldn't be the one to do this. And it's tempting when we read these to say, well, Moses is just making excuses. He's trying to weasel out of this assignment. But when we start to look a little closer, what we see is that Moses is just being honest. He has limitations. These are his weaknesses. And and when we start to reflect on his words a little bit, what we discover is that we say a lot of these things to ourselves every single day. I mean, take a look at the first one in Exodus chapter three, verse 11. He says, but Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh 
and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Who am I, God? You got the wrong guy. I can't do this. I'm, I'm nobody special. I'm just a shepherd out here in Midian. Who, who am I? And there are a couple of things that Moses might mean by that. Two different things. Either one of them would make sense in context. On the one hand, Moses might be saying, God, I'm not equipped for this. You know, I'm good with sheep. Sheep I get. Israelites, slaves, kings, that's not me. I'm just, I don't have the skill set to go in front of Pharaoh and make this kind of claim, and this kind of declaration. I'm not equipped. And I, I get that, you know? Heck, I've lived that. I did youth ministry for a season in my life. And, and I'll tell you, I was really good with junior high and high school boys. Junior high and high school girls, not so much. I had this amazing ability to make them cry very easily. Um, and I promise you, I wasn't mean, I wasn't firm, I wasn't scary. It's just any time I sat one of my girls down to say, look, your behavior tonight wasn't acceptable, boom, waterworks. And it wasn't just one of them, it was all of them. I mean, that's a highly marketable skill, right? Who doesn't want a youth minister who makes girls cry? So I wasn't feeling real skilled or, or adequate for the task when somebody connected to our church, kind of a friend of a friend, came and said, look, we're having some trouble with our teenage daughter. Would you talk to her? And my first thought was, no. <laughs> no, you don't want that. You think you want that because you don't realize you would be better off with literally anybody else. I wasn't equipped. Who am I? God, you got the wrong guy. You probably felt that, right? Those, I, you got the wrong guy, the wrong gal moments. You know, it, family comes to you with this really, big request, this big favor, this big need, and you say to yourself, I, I don't know if I can do that. Or your boss comes to you and gives you this new responsibility or this new assignment and, and it's sitting on your lap and you're thinking, I, I, I really don't know if I can do this. Or maybe life just drops a bombshell on your doorstep and you're there holding the ticket trying to figure out what comes next. There are a lot of disarming moments in life where we feel ill-equipped. We just don't have the skill set. We don't have the ability. God, you got the wrong guy. You got the wrong girl. I can't do this. There are a few things in life that can make us feel weaker and more incapable than those moments. Moses might be saying that. On the other hand, Moses might be saying, God, who am I? to go to Pharaoh, I got a bit of a past. You see, Moses hadn't always been a shepherd in Midian. There's a time of his life where he lived in Egypt. He's actually a pretty prominent member of Egyptian society. And then he murdered a man. And when you read the passage, it wasn't an accident. It says that Moses looked to the right and to the left, kind of scoping around to see if anybody's watching, and then he killed a guy. And then he fled Egypt for fear of his life. Moses might be saying, God, I... I got some skeletons in the closet. I don't know if I'm the right messenger to take this task to Pharaoh. And we can probably resonate with that too, some of us. Maybe we got a past. Maybe we made some mistakes. Maybe we've got skeletons in the closet that keep saying that message, you can't. You can't be forgiven. You can't outrun this. You can't move past this. You can't escape this. Sometimes our past haunts us. And it can debilitate us, make us feel so weak and incapable of dealing with life and the challenges that come at us. But weakness comes in a lot of different forms. Sometimes it's, you got the wrong guy. Who am I? Other times, it's what Moses says in verse 13. He says, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, oh yeah, what's his name? Then what do I tell them? Moses is saying to God, I don't have all the answers. What if they ask a question? I don't know the answer to it. God, I, I, I don't know the answer to this one. And sometimes 
That's the same thing that we suffer from. We don't have the answers, and it makes us feel ill-equipped and weak to deal with the challenges and, 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 the, and the, the things that life throws at us. And sometimes those answers, they're the ones that we want because we want to move forward in life. Like if you go and you buy a house, I doubt very many of us are going to just roll the dice on how much we can afford or what the mortgage payment's going to be or how much repairs are going to cost. We're going to put some firm figures down on that spreadsheet to make sure that we have all our questions answered before we move forward. Sometimes answers, they make us feel prepared and and capable and adequate. But when life hits you with those questions that have no answers, when tragedy hits you, when you lose someone, when something inexplicable happens and we ask why or how or what did I do or what could I have done, those questions that have no good answers, we feel so weak. We tell ourselves, if I could just understand, then I could move forward, then I I could be enough. But the lack of answers, the lack of understanding and clarity, it disarms us and it leaves us feeling vulnerable. Sometimes that's why we feel weak. Other times though, so what else Moses says? In verse one of chapter four, for instance, Moses answered, what if they don't believe me or, or listen to me and say, the Lord didn't appear to you. God, I'm, I'm not very convincing. What if they don't believe me? What if I go and I do what you say and it's really awkward and uncomfortable and then everybody stares at me really weird and then your message gets lost because I just, I wasn't believable or convincing enough? Sometimes that's a source of weakness for us. We're afraid that we're gonna do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing. That we're gonna stand out and be awkward and embarrass God or embarrass ourselves and, and that feeling of being naked at a fancy party, it just makes us wanna shrink back, stay in a closet or stay in a, a corner and not say anything. We can feel so inadequate and weak whenever we're called to a situation that we just, we don't know if we're real comfortable with it. Other times, it's verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. Moses had a, a, a speech thing and we don't know exactly what it was. It, it may have been like a, a stutter could have been a lisp, it could have been a, uh, he could have just got real nervous and got tongue-tied. He doesn't clarify it for us. All he says is, I have this, this thing with my speech, and I feel kind of ill-prepared, incapable of doing what you're asking. And sometimes our, our weaknesses stem from that, our, our vulnerabilities. These things that we feel like we're not good at, that we have to do anyway. There, there are, I hate situations like that. You know, you don't have the skill set, but you got to do it anyway. My wife, she, um, when we lived near down St. Louis, she was called to go to this meeting. It was a corporate meeting for a company, really big opportunity for her. And so we were excited and we were pumped. The problem was it was on the other side of St. Louis and she hates driving in the city by herself. Just the congestion and, and not being real familiar with everything, it just makes her super tense and nervous. And so I sat her down and I said, look, super easy to get there. You get on I-55 that goes right through the middle of the city. I-55 turns into I-64. You don't turn or anything. You just keep going and that'll take you right to the hotel. She said, okay, I can do this. So she got in the car early that morning and made the mistake of turning on her GPS. And it took her on I-270 around the city. And then it took her off the interstate and sent her through the middle of St. Louis downtown at 7.45 a.m. in the middle of downtown rush hour traffic. She was freaking out. She called me. She said, I don't know where I am. I said, what do you mean you don't know where you am? You just, you just got to be on the interstate. She said, no, I got off. Why'd you get off? The GPS told me to. Why'd you listen to the GPS? Because it's the GPS. And she's freaking out. And so I'm like, where are you? I don't know. What street are you on? I don't know. So she found the street sign. I pulled up Google Maps and basically played dispatcher for the next 25 minutes saying, go straight here, 
There's a McDonald's. Turn left there. We got her back on the interstate. She got to her meeting. But I started thinking, I'm like, this was such a big step. She hates doing this, but she put herself out there. And then this happened. She's never going to do this again. We hate stepping into situations where we are not equipped. And when we're called to do something, we just feel that we're not good at. It makes us feel powerless and awkward and weak. There are so many things in life that can make us just feel like we're not quite enough. Enough to deal with the challenges or the confusion or the turmoil or the hardship that life throws our way. And we see that in Moses again and again and again. These aren't just excuses. These are limitations that he and all of us suffer from. There are so many things that we can't do. And a lot of times, guys, we feel weak in this world because we are. We are weak, needy creatures. But here's the thing, that's not necessarily bad if you know who to lean on. And we're going to get back to that before we end our time together this morning, but I don't want to lose sight here because I said that there were two undeniable facts, remember? First is about us. There are a lot of things that we can't do. The second one is about God. There is nothing that God can't do. Time and time again, Moses says to God, here's my limitation, here's my weakness, I can't do this. And time and time again, God has a response to Moses. And every one of God's responses falls into this same theme. And it's pretty empowering and encouraging when we notice it. For example, Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And God said in chapter three, verse 12, I'll be with you. Moses says, who am I? I can't do this. I can't go to Pharaoh. And and God says, Moses, don't worry about it. I will be with you. I'm enough. I'll be there. Moses, he points to his weaknesses, but God points to himself. Maybe you can't, but I can, Moses. Moses says, well, well, what if I I don't know the answers? What if they ask who you are and I don't know? And in verse 14 of chapter three, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. In other words, Moses, you just tell them about me. I don't need you to have all the answers. I don't need you to be able to navigate every question they might have. I just need you to tell them who I am. I'm enough. Maybe you can't, but I can. Moses, he then says, well, God, what if they don't believe me? I'm not a very convincing guy. And God says in chapter four, verse two, the Lord said to him, what's that in your hand? A staff, Moses replied. And the Lord said, well, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand, take it by the tail. And so Moses reached out, took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff. This said the Lord, so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. In other words, Moses, they probably won't believe you, but they're gonna believe me. You just throw that staff on the ground to let me work. Moses points to his weaknesses. God points to himself. Moses says, I got a speech thing, God. I'm not good at talking in front of people. Exodus chapter four, verse 11, the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? It's not, is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. Time and time again, Moses points to himself and he says, I'm not enough, God. I've got these limitations. I've got these weaknesses. There are so many things I can't do. And time and time again, God points to himself and says, I know, but I can. And I'm with you. 
This is the God that we worship and this is the God that we know and that we follow. He is a God who is able. He is able to overcome our weaknesses. He is able to be enough when we are not. He is a God who is able to do imaginably more than all, or measurably more than all we could do or imagine. And if you know the rest of Moses' story, then you know that he does go before Pharaoh and he declares, let my people go. And you know how God works wonders and, and miracles and signs in Egypt in the forms of darkness and blood and hail and locusts and even death to liberate the Israelite people. And you know how God parts the Red Sea in half so that the Israelites walk across dry land to their freedom. And you know how God takes this meager people and he leads them through the wilderness for 40 years and he supplies food and he supplies water and miraculously their feet didn't swell and their sandals didn't give out. And you know how this mighty God brought this meager people into the land of Canaan and how just being a group of slaves, they built a civilization and a kingdom of wealth and power and stature. And you know how from this people, God stepped into the world in the man Jesus Christ and he performed miracles and he healed the lame and the sick and the deaf and the mute, how he died on the cross for our sins and was raised back to life so that we too could live forever and ever. If you know the story of scripture, you know there isn't anything that God can't do. He is able. He is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. That's who we follow and that's who we are called to lean on. Two facts, they're undeniable. There are a lot of things we can't do, but there isn't anything he can't do. So that leads us to believe that in those moments where we feel weak, where we feel inadequate, where we feel like we are not enough and we need strength, when we seek strength, we need to seek God. The strength that we seek for life, it's found in seeking after God. We see that in Moses' story and really throughout the whole Bible. Again and again, God says, I know you can't, but I can. Rely on me, trust on in me, follow me, and I will be enough. I said earlier that, that we, we as people, we are weak and needy creatures, but that isn't a bad thing if you know who to lean on. And here's what I mean by that. When we look at how we are created, the kind of, of words and language and vocabulary that the Bible describes us as, as living peoples, there's this this one word that shows up again and again and again throughout the Old Testament. It's the Hebrew word nefesh. And it's a word that, that speaks to every living creature, whether they be animal or, or people. To be alive is to be a nefesh. And some people, they, they think that this word is, is, is so central to the core of being alive, sometimes they compare it to the soul. And it's not exactly the same thing, but I think that gives us an idea that, that this concept it is so central and core to being alive. And here's the real interesting part. That same word, nefesh, it's oftentimes used to describe the throat. Almost as if the throat is this metaphor or this symbol for life. And we might say, that sounds really weird. Why? Why, Why would life be compared to the throat? But when you stop and you think about it, and you think about what the throat does, it's a pretty fitting metaphor. I mean, you probably woke up this morning you're hungry, so you had some breakfast. And you put that food in your mouth and you chewed it up and you swallowed it. And where did that food go? It went down your throat. This morning you woke up, you probably had something to drink. For instance, I, this morning I've had cups of coffee. And when I drank it, swallowed it, went down my throat, just like every other liquid. When you take in a deep breath, we know it goes into our lungs, but if you were an ancient people who didn't have anatomical knowledge of the human body, 
you would feel that air go down your throat. You see, it's the throat and its constant need for food and water and breath that keeps us alive. When we stop needing food and water and breath, that's when they put us in the dirt. To be alive is to be in this constant state of need. And in that mindset that the throat, that's a fitting symbol for life. We are needy creatures. We always need. That's how we're put together and designed. And here's the key crucial part. Our greatest need as living beings is not for food or water or even breath. Our greatest need by design is for the living God to be a part of our lives. He is just as essential and crucial as all of those other elements. We are needy people. We're not designed We're not made to be strong, independent, self-sustaining, autonomous individuals. And I know that's what we want to be. That's what our culture tells us we need to be. We need to be enough. We need to grit our teeth and bear it. We need to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. But that's just simply not who we were made to be. As we've already said, there are so many things in this world I cannot do alone. Just off the top of my head, I can't change the economy and keep my company from closing. I can't make sure that I have enough food and water to keep my family safe when the money's running low. I can't make sure that the people I love are healed of disease and sickness so that they keep living fulfilled lives. I can't raise the dead and hold my loved ones again. There are so many things I am powerless to do in this world. I just can't do it no matter how hard I try. But he can. And not only can he, but he already has. You just ask the Israelites how he provides and sustains. They wandered the wilderness for 40 years, and yet they never wanted for food or water because he is the God who is able. He is the God who can. You just ask the, the mute and the deaf and the blind and the, the leper and the bleeding woman who Jesus comes into contact with if God can heal and sustain. He is the God who is able and who can. There's a reason nobody on the planet venerates the body of Jesus today. It's because it ain't here, folks. He's raised back to life. He conquered death. Because this is the God who is able and who can. He is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. The thing is, I can't. So when I'm challenged in life, when I find myself in those valleys, when I feel like a failure, when I'm not the superhero I like to think I am or people think I am, when I feel like I'm lost, when I feel like I'm confused, when I feel like I'm unable, when I feel like I'm incapable, when I feel like I'm weak, my only course of action is to realize I'm not supposed to do this on my own. I was made for more than self-sustaining autonomy. I was made to lean on the power of the almighty God who can do so much more than I would ever be capable of. Why would I hitch my wagon to a bicycle when I could hitch it to a semi-truck? If I get on that bike, it's all on me and my power and my body and my strength that's gonna pull that wagon forward. But if I get in that semi-truck, I got hundreds and hundreds of horsepowers to pull my little red wagon, you follow? We hitch our wagons to ourselves and our strength and our ability when God's sitting in his big rig going, man, what's up? I'm waiting on you to just follow me and trust me and rely on me. This is the God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And we were made not to be strong enough, but to rely on him fully for him to carry these burdens, for him to empower our lives and for him to be enough, to be what we lack. That is our great need as living beings is him. 
So in this life, when you find yourself overwhelmed, lean on his consistency. When you find yourself confused and lost, lean on his truth. When you find yourself just feeling weak or or feeling like a failure or feeling like you're not enough, lean on his strength and his power because that's what we were created to do. We find the strength that we lack in this life by seeking after the living God. But you have to actually seek him. That strength isn't just gonna show up out of the blue. It comes when we follow him, when we take steps after him. And so that's my encouragement to you this morning is to take steps after this God to seek him and to find him in your life. For some of us, that may may mean taking a step towards Jesus, accepting him into our lives for the first time and, and tasting salvation and that newness that only he can bring by being united with God, by the Holy Spirit that comes through his work on the cross. Maybe that's the step that we need to take. And if that's you, we got a baptism class next Sunday, 9.30, right across the hall. It's a great opportunity for you to have your questions answered, to hear about baptism, to hear what Jesus has done, and to make the decision to accept him into your life. Some of us, though, we we know Christ and we know God, but we don't really know him as well as we could because we're not in his word. When we pick up the scriptures and we pick up the Bible, God has revealed himself to us along with all of his promises and all of his power. And we are encouraged to draw from that, to find our strength in that knowledge. But a lot of times we keep that book shut and we end up relying on ourselves and our own abilities. Open up the book and read. Experience who God is through the pages of scripture. And I know it's not always easy, right? I know sometimes it's confusing and sometimes reading the Bible is like a marathon. It just seems so difficult and so hard. But you know, when you run a marathon, even though every step seems difficult, when you get to the finish line, you experience that victory and that moment of, of what's the word I want to say? Just joy. And the same thing is true of scripture. If we power through those difficult steps, if we discipline ourselves to continue reading, even if it might not make a lot of sense, there is a prize and there is a joy in experiencing God's truth in scripture. He'll make it clear. Some of us, though, it's not scripture. Some of us, we, we just, we don't talk to God. This is not some lofty, distant, uh, just, just unknowable being out somewhere in heaven. This is a God who is present and who is eminent and who wants to know you and, and converse with you. And, and through that act of prayer, we get to know him and we draw strength from him. It's through prayer that we bring him our burdens and our concerns. It's through prayer that we ask for this clarity and this strength. Sometimes the step we need to take is one in which we get to know God through talking to him. I don't, I don't know what your step is because I don't know all of your individual stories, but I do know You were made for more than where you presently are. You were made to walk with him and to know him and to seek him. And it's when we live out that calling that we experience the strength and the power we're talking about today. So that's my challenge to us today. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, take the next step and seek after the God who provides, who is able, and who can do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. Let me pray. Father, I pray for these people and I ask I ask for myself as well, God, that you would be a source of strength because life is heavy and it comes fast. And there are so many instances in which we are, we are not enough, but you are, and you invite us to lean on you. You are that good, good father. You protect us and shelter us and shield us. You lift our burdens when we cannot. You provide clarity when we are confused 
direction when we are wandering in darkness. And Father, you make that love, you make that ability and that power known to us through the person of Jesus. He is the living embodiment of what you've called us to be. And so I ask that we seek him with all that we are and experience the blessings of knowing you as we pursue Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.